Judea, which branched out even further out in this area, and then to the ends of the earth, which was the civilized world at that time. So Paul took three missionary journeys that took him into all of these areas and uh, took him to these little small, these cities, and he established 10 churches. He established 10 churches, and he wrote 13 of the 27 books in the New Testament. He was a very busy guy, and he had people with him. He had Barnabas. He had a young man named John Mark. Later, he had a gentleman named Silas. And then later that he raised up and, and helped train a young man named Timothy. And so leadership was very important in the early part of the church. And all of these people had some qualifications in common. They were, first of all, they were called out by God. They were appointed by him to become these leaders. And then they were trained up in knowing and understanding the scriptures and how it applied to Christianity and then in addition to that, they were people that were willing to take on the responsibility of solving problems within the early church. Leaders are leaders. They step up and do what is necessary in order to get the job done. And fortunately, in this early time period, as they were proclaiming Christ, they were also doing what Jesus said would carry forward the gospel, and that was the importance of the church. The church was instituted and established by Jesus. He said, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. But it was messy. It wasn't an easy process. It's not, it wasn't easier then. In fact, in some ways, it was worse back then than it is today. Church is not easy because it takes a diverse group of people, places them in close proximity to each other, calls them family, and causes them to have to walk together in love and truth, and mercy and grace. And they've been gifted with gifts by the Holy Spirit to build up what is now called, the, we call, the body of Christ. So a church makes up what we would say is the body of Christ. So when you see a church family like we're gathered here, you should see a reflection back of Jesus Christ himself, because he is the one who has gifted us, and called us the body of Christ. We are the body of believers. We are brothers and sisters. We are the family of God. And that's the way it was intended to be planned out to work. But as I said, it was kind of messy. The first problem that they had that they had to deal with was how does a Gentile become a Christian without becoming a Jew as well? When they first, the first believers were Jewish believers. They were circumcised. They were following the law of Moses. They were following the practices of Judaism and all that it entailed. And they added in their conversion to Christ. So when Gentiles began to be opening themselves up to the gospel and receiving Christ as their savior, some of the Jewish people became very concerned about this and they wanted to turn these Gentile believers into Jewish as well, which was go get yourselves circumcised. If you want to be a Christian, you have to be circumcised. You have to follow the laws of Moses. You have to carry on this. And so this became a great conflict. And ironically, this Paul, who was so zealous for Judaism, became the leader of the, the people that would be the advocate for the Gentiles to become believers 
without forcing all of the laws of Judaism up on top of them. So with this taking place, they had a council in Jerusalem to discover how they were going to reconcile and bring this problem uh, to reconciliation. And here was the conclusion that they came to. That Gentiles would be responsible to follow basically three things. They could not eat the blood of animals. They could not practice fornication. And they could not practice idolatry. So for a Gentile, a couple, there were some problems here if they were coming into Christ. Because Gentiles were coming out of idolatry, a world where there was idolatry. So they had to make a change to worshiping only and one only God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So that was a change for them. But also the issue of, of blood and the issue of morality, which in, what involved fornication which involves sexual immorality so they were given those requirements those responsibilities which are really responsibilities of the heart that they should have abided by anyway but they didn't say you have to be circumcised you have to follow the laws of, of, of Moses that you don't have to become a Jew in order to be a Christian they just opened up freedom for that and if you ever want to understand more about that read the letter of Galatians that Paul wrote Galatians chapter 2 in particular but it's called the Magna Carta of Christianity it is our book of freedom that was issued and Paul wrote all of this out so I know this doesn't mean a whole lot to you it's kind of like a history lesson that I'm giving you today but I think that it ties back to appreciating the freedom that we have in Christ here today because predominantly we are Gentile. A Gentile is just anyone who is not a Jew. And so this is what he did. Now, these leaders were very important because there began to be other kinds of problems in this early church. It was a very challenging time. But there was one thing that stayed constant throughout all of this, and that is the witness of Jesus Christ and who he was into that world. Paul and Barnabas would go, John Mark, they would first go to a, one of these small towns and then they would uh, go to the Jewish synagogue there and they would start talking about Christ. And anyone who had an open heart to receive Jesus, they, they further explained things to them. And then there came a time when they just shook the dust off their feet and they said, okay, from now on we're going to the Gentiles because every time they tried to work with the Jews in those cities, they received a lot of opposition. So sometimes then they would go down to places of prayer, down by the river or in houses. And they found people of peace in those areas. Always God had a prepared person for these churches that would be beginning. And we have their names listed in the New Testament and Paul greets them by name. So he, God already had prepared some people in advance to receive the gospel and then become that initial church plant. Planting churches is one of those things that missionaries do, and it's the way by which they advance the kingdom of God. Paul would go into those cities, he would plant a church, he would appoint people to lead that congregation, and then from a distance, Paul would, would correspond back and forth and oversee those churches, including writing letters back to them when he was aware of problems that crept up, and he would begin to sort of develop those churches. They were just so infant in their beginnings in terms of their faith as well as them as an organization as a church family so um 
this was a great challenge for Paul as he made his way through this, this whole area of the modern world at that time. From Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and then on out to the ends of the earth. He was uh, constantly under attack if it wasn't uh, by people that were trying to persecute him for the faith that he had in his entourage. He would sometimes run into some problems out here just in his travels because it was such a, a dangerous area. But he took it upon himself to move himself from, from this area of Antioch and he took three missionary journeys, but it took him all over. One of the other uh, ways of describing the book of Acts is uh, the Acts of the Apostles, but it is also called the Acts of the Holy Spirit. Because now we see the Holy Spirit is in charge and giving direction to what they are to do. And just as Jesus was doing the will of his Father, now the Holy Spirit is doing the will of the Son. This is the way that God implements his work and his ministry. And now we are living in this age where God is working by his Holy Spirit in our lives to instruct and direct and, and, and train us and take us in direction. We, as believers, have a very big responsibility that we are walking in spirit and in truth. Oftentimes, we are not biblical in our thoughts, in our actions, and in our deeds. We need to make sure that in our attitudes, when we get twisted up and we're starting to fault other people, and we find ourselves in what I'd call distemper or an attitude problem, you need to first of all look at yourself and think about where you might be wrong in your attitude and in your temperament. It is so easy to first go to the problem of it being someone else and not yourself. That's just a human nature thing. But we must always be biblical in our thought processes in our relationships with each other, and the way we do things. We cannot operate out of strict emotion or what we think is right. We need to stay very grounded and rooted in the Scriptures so that we're operating in love based upon what the Bible has to say about what love looks like and how we're to relate to each other. We too quickly go to our human ways of doing things and then we don't do enough of following and practicing what it says in the Scripture about our relationships with each other. That constantly created problems in the, in the New Testament churches. Constantly created problems. And Paul was constantly writing to them about the need for them to have a good attitude, the right attitude, the right spirit, to love one another, to be unified, to have the right heart with each other, to be correctable, to be teachable. Let the Bible reproof you. Let yourself be corrected if any of you have ever played sports or done something where you needed to be coached or taught i have to confess that i was really guilty of of thinking i knew it all when i was 20 years old and that there wasn't really anything that an older person could teach me and as a result of that i had a rebellious spirit within me i wasn't a christian yet so i guess i have that Going, had that going for me was I wasn't a believer. And at the same time, though, I know that there were people that were willing to implant things to me, and they did impart things to me 
but I didn't have the proper attitude of gratitude related to what they were trying to do to help me out. I thought it was all about me. And we, we still have adults who are older than in their 20s, much older in their, than in their 20s, who are still living out that sort of wrong process in their lives. We are all under some form of authority. We all need to be coachable, teachable, correctable, guided, learners as we go through our lives. And that's what Paul was. He was a great teacher. He, he tried to guide all these, these, these churches and these believers in the right direction and how to live and how to act and how to believe and how to behave. That's where we oftentimes run into our problems. So, it's a messy process. And there's no perfect situation that exists out there. But one of the things we learn from the book of Acts and the letters in the New Testament is how many problems crept up within the early New Testament church. Some of us want to say, well, let's be like the New Testament church. Let's be like the New Testament church, how it was. Well, I'm not so sure it was that great. They had all kinds of problems and struggles, but they worked at them together. Now, I'm not directing this at this group of people to say that we have huge problems here in the Fellowship of Community Church. It's not it's not intended for that. We've had our problems in our times here. But at the same time, we've continued to work through those as we move together with one another. And just telling you that that is a normative thing. If we want to think that in some ways or another, we shouldn't have problems, we're not thinking right. We should expect that those kinds of things are going to come up not only within a church but within a family within a marriage within friendships within any relationships within our work situation if your expectation is that there should be no problems you're going to have a big problem but if your expectation is is this is normal then you won't have such a big problem because you'll work the problem rather than let the problem work you Right? So we see this through and through here. They tackled those problems. They trusted God. They depended on the Holy Spirit. They worked together. They strove to work together in unity. But even in that midst of that, they still had a few losses. As I said, it was Paul and Barnabas and John Mark who went out on the first journey. John Mark was a young man. John Mark had different ideas. John Mark wasn't up to the task, so John Mark left and abandoned Paul and Barnabas to their ministries. Then later, when they were going to go on another missionary journey, Barnabas wanted to bring John Mark along. Barnabas was an encourager. He thought everybody was redeemable. But Paul was done with John Mark. And so he, Paul and Barnabas, split off. And Barnabas took John Mark. Paul took Silas. And they had a division of their leadership, but it, it, it ended up multiplying out in terms of what the church could be and do. But So even they had their issues and couldn't always bring people along in the right way. Paul and Peter had problems. Peter still struggled with the idea as a Jew of how a Gentile could become a Jew. And so God gave him this, this vision, like I said, of Cornelius and this sheet came down out of heaven and God spoke to him by the Holy Spirit and said, get up and eat these animals that you have been forbidden to eat. And Peter says, these are forbidden to me. And God, by his spirit, said, no, 
don't call unclean what God has allowed to be clean. So that was Peter's conversion to allow a Gentile to actually become a believer. Well, later on, Peter was sitting with just Jews when Paul showed up and the Gentiles were over here and he he called Peter out. Peter, Peter, this, you know, guy that was so strong in the life of Jesus. And Paul called him out and said, what are you doing over here doing this? Why would you go back to this when we've already established that God wants this for everyone? So we all have kind of our ways of doing things, and we have a tendency to go back to those ways that we have. So Paul actually began his ministry in about probably the first journey was about 48 A.D. This was 15 years after he had been converted. This council in Jerusalem was in 50 A.D., as I mentioned, The second journey started in 51, and then the third journey began in 54 A.D. And then Paul eventually ended up up here in Rome, all the way up here. Because he was born in Tarsus, he was, and to his family, he was a Roman citizen. So when he made an appeal, he made his appeal, and he ended up here in Rome. And about the time that Paul got to Rome, a gentleman by the name of Nero became the the Caesar, the person in control of Rome. Nero was was a persecutor of Christians, and he was a, a nutcase. He set Rome on fire so that he could come in and rescue Rome and rebuild it. And so people... People didn't know that he had set the fire, but it's felt that Nero set Rome on fire so he could destroy it first, and then he could be the great savior and come in and rebuild it. So he created a problem so he could come in and solve it. Well, in addition to that, he did not like Christians, and eventually Paul lost his life in Rome at the hands of Nero in about 61 AD. So he gave his life. For the sake of the gospel. Now, here's what it apply, how this all applies to you and I today, in my mind. All right, we all, all of us here, we all have our Jerusalem. Let's say our Jerusalem is Gunnison. That's our community that we live in here. And that we have a responsibility to reach our community first with the gospel of Christ. But in addition to that, we are called out beyond Gunnison to our Judea, and our Judea could be a more surrounding area around us. Maybe, let's say, um, extended beyond Jerusalem or beyond Gunnison somewhere. And then, of course, you have Samaria, which goes farther out and then to the ends of the earth. Well, we, we as a church here have taken that to heart, and we have been in places all over the world, this little church right here. Um, we've been in all kinds of places in missionary service, and we have many people here today who have gone on those trips and been in those places. So that's exciting. There's one other piece of this that comes into play for you personally. I honestly believe, and I had an evangelism professor who introduced this to me, that he called it concentric circles of evangelism. So if you look at this, this is sort of you could do a circle around Jerusalem, then the next circle would be around Judea, the next would be around Samaria, and the next one would incorporate all of this right here. We all have concentric circles of relationship where our witness is important. 
And here's how he described it to me. The first circle in your concentric circle of relationship is those who are your family members, those who you are the closest to in your life. And your responsibility to witness to them of faith is the first place for you to start, talking to them of Jesus. It's time for us again to be bold. One of the things that came to me as I was reading through this chapter again in the story of Acts is how single-focused, single-minded they were on talking about Jesus Christ. We have sort of quieted or, or shaped our words these days at fear of offending other people. Paul had no fear of that. And if this area is to be one to Jesus, if your family members are to be one to Jesus, if your friends are to be one to Jesus, if this broader area is to be one to Jesus, we need to talk about Jesus. And do it unapologetically. Do it without being ugly or hateful about it, but being bold. So your first concentric circle is your family. The next is your friends. The next one out is your friends. The next one out is an extended group of people, of acquaintances, people that you have that God puts you in front of. And then the next one gets bigger beyond that. But be intentional about sharing the love of Jesus Christ with people in your lives. We have conversations every single day with people. Every day, whether it's in the coffee shop, city market, stores, shops, sidewalk, exercising, schools, wherever we find ourselves, the identification of your relationship with Christ becomes very important and you become that instrument of witness for them. We once did a series here called Just Walk Across the Room and it was on evangelism and it said, your engagement with a person with your faith in Christ is as simple as a walk across the room to have a conversation with another person. So as a result of what we have seen and studied today and the chapter that we've read in our story, that's my encouragement to you as we close today is to consider, just consider becoming a more vocal witness for Christ. Not just by the way you live your life, because there's a lot of people that live good lives. The difference in your life is Jesus. And we're to talk about him with others. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the faithful witness of the people that have gone before us to lift up the name of Jesus. So that we can sit here today knowing him. From the very beginning, people risked their lives to bring the gospel to the world around them. And they did it very quickly. May we, Lord, receive power and strength from you. That you would direct our paths into the lives of others with the good news of the gospel. In your name we pray.
We're going to stand and sing, Come ye thankful people, come. One of the... circle today, or some people call it our square circle, um, which is funny, but uh, if there's anything that anybody has to share a joy or concern this morning, right where you are, if you'll just uh, let us know that, Scott is here. All right, thank you, Scott. Scott's shoulder surgery is recovering. He thanks you for your prayers and your support. Dave Barton is at home and has just had the same thing. And, and uh, you received a lot of help from Gwenda, so you can relate to what it's like to go through this if you're by yourself. Someone else have something to share? Raise it up high if I can see uh, joy or concern this morning. All right, I'm going to bless you as you go out today. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you. May the Lord, turn his face towards you and give you peace today and forever. Amen. Thank you all for being here today. God bless you.